The Grappling Hour is brought to you by Ludagear, athletic support items created by grapplers for grapplers. Fire Grub Meal Prep. Meal Prep. Done right. In our never-ending quest to catch all of the Pokemon that won the ADCC East Coast Trails, we have searched near and far. We actually now have to go all the way across the pond to some other distant place. Now, <laughs> I didn't know that because when I do get a little nervous whenever these things happen. Uh, whenever somebody says, hey, can you call me from uh, the United States to another country? I think, are we going to have a language barrier? Are we going to have some sort of thing that's going to make us not have a great interview? Not the case here, especially with one Alec Balding. Sir, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing awesome. Doing well. Okay. So let me ask this. Are you in the Sweden? Is that where you're at right now? Yeah, I'm here in Gothenburg, Sweden. Can't see, but it's super dark behind me. I believe you. I have I have friends in Sweden, and they they like to say nothing more than, "Why don't you enjoy your beautiful sunshine, Raph?" Uh, <laughs> what takes you to Sweden, man? Uh, it's a long story, but I had a good friend, John Thomas. Um, he moved out here a few years ago, and uh, you know he's super awesome, and he he always tries to bring his friends to come train and teach. So he gave me an opportunity to come for a few months. And, um, you know, I guess the students and the instructors really liked me. Uh, so they brought me back again uh, for Europeans in 2017. Uh, the first time I came was 2016. And then, and then in 2017, there was an opening for an, an instructor role. So, uh, you know, they wanted me, so I came. What does it take for you then to uproot essentially everything? and now go to live over in an entirely different country? Um, it was a few factors. Let's see, I was one of my students. Uh, a few factors, one being just uh, working with John. I trained with him back in Atlanta over 10 years ago, and I knew that he, you know, he's one of the best instructors in the world, so just having the honor of you know, training with him uh, again, because he had moved to Sweden a few years at this point, uh, that was like that's probably the biggest selling point, you know. If you told me, "Hey, you want to work with one of the best instructors in the world, and you know you're going to level up," like <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have to tell me twice. Uh, so that was that was really what sold me. Also, just you know, being able to live in a different country and uh, just get out of my comfort zone and just meet new people, you know, being a new culture, learn a new language. I, I just thought it was a good time. I'm you know, I'm still pretty young, so I don't have like a family and no obligations, so. This was the best time to do it. If I'm being honest, I'm really hoping that one of these days we get somebody who just goes, yeah, I had a family and friends, and I just said, <laughs> screw it. Because every single time you hear people going like, oh, I'm just young, 
Yeah. I don't have any attachments. I'm just yeah. waiting for the person to like uh, use the Mike Perry voice. It's like, I don't care about my family. I left them <laughs> to go train. Um, well, that's, dude, that's amazing. And when you say that someone that you feel is almost silly to not go follow in one John Thomas, you know, what is that like, though? How did you acclimate? How long did it take you to get used to being not only in an entirely different world for you just outside mm-hmm. of jiu-jitsu, but then you add the actual athletic perspective into it, and then you have to be an athlete instructor to these people who yeah. it's different. Yes, it, it took a while to adjust. Uh, luckily, where I'm from, like I you know, was around such great instructors like Cobrinha, Lucas Lepre, Jacare, uh, Romero Jacare, uh, Leo Noguera. So I've always been around great instructors. Um, I mean, it wasn't easy leaving, uh, but I, I just think this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you, ha- you, you always have to take risks. Like you want to be the best in the world or something. And it's not going to come easy. So I think for me, like I knew I had to like go away from home and just to, you know, put myself in a different position. Um, I don't know if that kind of answers what you're saying. I mean, mostly. It's. I mean, you know, we're not grading on a curve here. You know, yeah. It's not yeah. like I'm going to sit here and be like, "You answered that better than Craig Jones." So yeah. A plus for you in this interview. Uh, no, I and mean, go ahead. I feel like you know Europe's growing too. It's hard to like explain it, but like there's a local tournament here, and like it's like I'm in the tournament. Uh, Tommy Langerker's doing it. Max Limbald, all these like Tariq. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Like all these really good guys that we're all kind of in the same area. So it's like blowing up over here. Well, that's what I do uh, really love about seeing things like a Polaris and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that because we get so used and spoiled. And I, I speak purely from a Southern California perspective, which mm-hmm. is uh, everybody. You walk 10 feet, there's a jiu-jitsu academy. Yeah. And – then you start to think, well, we have everything. And I love these yeah. hidden pockets of places with the next generation that's coming up. Or these people who are like, by the way, I'm setting up camp here. And mm-hmm. in about a year and a half, you're going to see murderous rage from my students. So yeah. th- to me, it makes the, the, the whole gig way more interesting because after a while, you get bored of hearing the same things, you know. Uh, so, it, it, you know, you're, you're helping expand that reach now. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about it that way, but, like, it's it's growing so fast, so I'm just happy to be a part of it, and, you know, can, I can fight, like, the best guys in Europe, like, pretty consistently, mm. and it's super close to where I live, so. Uh. <laughs> well, it's kind of like how ADCC is actually coming to me out in Long Beach. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I was asking uh, some of the other guys, it doesn't really apply to you, but I was asking even, like, Tim Spriggs, I said... What does it feel like when you in your head all these years watch all these ADCCs and you go, Mm -hmm. man, Finland, Rio, China, Long Beach? Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, when I asked him, I said, you know, do you feel a certain advantage because you've competed so much there? And he was saying, yes. Do you feel anything as somebody who's traveled both out of country? Does it feel good to be coming back to at ADCC back in the States, uh, over in Southern California, or do you not even care? Does any of that even process to you? I think, uh, man, we're so used to it. You know, everything, like, Worlds is there. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. 
Uh, for me personally, because it's in the States, I can, you know, my friends can come and visit me and, mm. you know, my friends in California, it's going to be easy for them. But if it's somewhere like Finland or, you know, China, like nobody's going to come. No, no. Uh, so no, I, think and, it's, I think it's cool. And you could you could see that at some of the ADCC trials or not trials, but uh, the actual ADCC championship in China where they have some of those empty seats. And I go, this is our our thing. This is our Olympics. Yeah. Like you guys put on and had more people in a halftime show dancing yeah. some sort of rhythmic Asian gymnastics than you did in the stands. Mm-hmm. Keep those people there. Tell them they have to stay for the whole event if they want to yeah. perform during halftime. Uh, you know, at the very least. Um, it, it's also more popular now. Like, I remember watching ADCCs and, like, there was no live stream or broadcast. Oh. Like, you had to wait a few days to hear the results. So yeah. it's just bigger. No, and it is nice. That's why when the children complain about the flow grappling, I'm like, we've had worse. <laughs> <laughs> Kids, I don't know if you know this. Uh, there were VHS tapes that were passed around yeah. way back in the day that just goes, shh, I got that nice ADCC. You want yeah. it? Uh, that uh, you had to go to a deal or two back in the day. Let's talk about your run, dude, because here's something that impresses me. Whenever you have to do a number of crazy things to just get to go to the big event. Uh, um, yeah. What is your routine like? Like, is there jet lag? Do you have to build in travel? What was the scenario like before you even got to the East Coast for uh, East Coast trials? Um, I planned a little bit in advance. So I was actually doing like a seminar at another academy in uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I was there maybe a week or two before. Just because I knew, you know, coming from Sweden, it was like a six-hour time difference or five-hour or something. I knew, like, I wasn't going to be able to compete, like, immediately um, afterwards, after flying. Uh, so I got there early, and I just acclimated myself to, like, New Jersey and, you know, ate some food, you know, New Jersey food, just to get used to it. Um, <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I, just, I need a second to really understand what you're saying here. I want to make sure I'm hearing this right. You didn't trust the food enough so that you had to say, listen, guys, uh, Jersey, not like I don't trust you, love you a lot, but um, you got to get in the tum-tums when I'm yeah, competing, yeah. so if you could uh, take it down a notch, that'd be great. Wow. I've never heard anybody say that before with this. I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's di- it. the food's different in Sweden. Like, they're, like, they test things, like, pretty strictly and stuff, so, like, it just, it doesn't matter where I go, I just need to get used to you know, the food and the quality and stuff, you know. Sure. Um, but, I mean, New Jersey's got a good culinary, just, you know. Yeah, way to recover there. That's a, that's a yeah. real good uh, save. Yeah, yeah. Very, like, I, I don't trust your food, but some of it, man, this is, you guys do very well in some areas. It's, uh, it's really diverse. I was surprised. I was eating, like, Ecuadorian food, Peruvian food, <laughs> you know, Italian. I was everywhere. So... You know, it's nice. You get a couple of days adjusted. You planned it out well. What does your mentality look like day of competition? Because everybody's in a different space. And mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what gets you in your zone. So where are you mentally on the day of competition? Um, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed. Um, and just speaking for myself personally, like I've been competing a lot this year. I think this was like my 12th or 13th tournament. So... Um, I, I just, I've been, you know, just used to the situation of dealing with the nerves 
and just competing. So uh, I just, I was just really, it was kind of weird, but I was like super confident and just super relaxed. And I really wasn't worried about anything. Like, you know, I wasn't worried about who I was fighting. I wasn't worried about my technique. I like, I just knew like, hey, if I go in strong and just the way I am now, like, I didn't, I didn't want to change anything. I didn't want to overthink anything. I didn't want to like, I just, I just knew if I did everything that I was already doing, I would be okay. So that's a good place um, to be a lot of confidence in your yeah. preparation, which is, which is very good. That's where you want to be day of. So yeah. obviously you start your day off with a buy you're in the 87.9 bracket. So how many pounds is that in real people pounds? I believe it's like 194. I don't know what it is. I have no idea what 80, what's 88 kilograms in uh, uh, 193, 194. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I can do the kilograms. I can't do the pounds anymore. I, uh, I gave I, it up. I understand. <laughs> I, I gave it up. <laughs> I gave it up. I still uh, do Fahrenheit though. See, but whenever people talk about these fake uh, weight categories. I'm always like, they're always like, oh, are you 97 stone? I'm like, no, use I have real no idea. people weight people. Uh, yeah, anyway. That doesn't make any sense. All right, so 194. 194 is good. Uh, on weight, everything's going well. And then your first match here, if I'm looking down, it's Balding versus Como, and it says four. So what happened there? I'm assuming the guy forfeited um, so they made me come out there and they, you know, they raised my hand. I think Tom the Blast raised my hand. He's like, oh, good match. Uh, so, you know, there's so many people in these tournaments. I think that, you know, the day of, like, it sounds cool to register for ADCC trials, but, like, you get out there and, like, you think, hey, I want to fight. Right. Uh, so I don't know exactly what happened, but the guy no showed, so. Interesting. I would. <laughs> When you start to think about how the epicness of this whole thing, and you're like, "Oh man, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go." And wait, what? What's happening? Why? Yeah. Like, what does that do to you? Does that throw you off at all, or does that like feel underwhelming, or you just go, "Screw it, let's just go to the next round." I mean, I, I mean, I, I really look forward to those early matches. I mean, you could lose, but you also need those to warm up properly and just get into the right rhythm. Um, so, I mean, I. I, I tried not to let it phase me too much, but mm -hmm. I was looking forward to that match. You know, I was warming up, I was getting getting pumped up. So, uh, but I ended up saving that energy for the next match. That's fair. And and the next match is where things uh, you've got a really really solid competitor. It's you versus Kyle Bame from Tenth uh, Planet. Uh, that one's decided by a referee's decision. It's zero zero. But can you talk me through that match? Uh, so that was my my first actual match. Um, and the guy was really good. I didn't realize he was the guy that, uh, you know, Tim Spriggs was smashing. Was that, that was him, right? That was him? He was yeah, that was him. Uh, oh, okay. Tim and I had a very uh, interesting conversation about that one. Uh, just because I, I'm not a subscriber to that version of Trash Talk. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love me some good Trash Talk. I thought that one was void of any real wit. And it just seemed... Uh, yeah, not as playful and fun as it can be, and not all fight or combat version is supposed to be fun. Uh, but we got Tim to speak on it, and it's yeah. weird. Uh, but it was one where I just wanted to get his perspective. You know what Tim told me from that? What did he say? Tim told me that he learned how to control himself a little bit better, and I mm -hmm. think he meant just in terms of 
not just online with people who are going to provoke you or try and get under your skin before a match, but just how to uh, conduct himself afterwards, you know? Yeah. And it's very and strange. He's such, he's such a cool guy. Like, I've never, like, heard him or seen him, like, do anything, like, disrespectful, really. And it's just like, it's like, he's like, you know he's not the guy to play around with, so, you know. I mean, the nice part about Tim is, uh, in terms of how he responded to it, is is he's looking to actually, with the mush mouth sort of thing that he was doing, uh, uh-huh. he's like, yeah, I'm going to brand that. I've got some t-shirts coming out. Uh, That's I cool, like, man. I was like, you literally just LeBron James that, my friend. You literally <laughs> had somebody call you out and then turned it into the name of your, your show. Uh, so good for you, man. But... That's not. We, we talked to Tim. Tim's old news. He won yeah. the same time you did, but I talked to him last week. You're the oh, guy okay. we want to talk That's to. Cool. So, so tell me a little bit about the match because I do know with a score like that, watching it myself, it was tense. But I wanted to get your interpretation of, of what it was and what it felt like. Um. So for me, like I mean, the guy he's really tough. Uh. So for me, going in, um, again, I didn't have that first match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really wanted to move around a little bit, warm up myself. And I mean, there, I always know there's a risk. I might get caught in something or I might lose, but uh, I was just looking, looking kind of forward. I knew I needed to move around, get warmed up and just mm-hmm. get used to like just the rule set. So that was my first match in ADCC rules. So I just wanted to kind of see like, you know, how the referee was going to kind of judge everything and see like what, what the guys were going to try and do. Um, so I, I just, I was very observant in that match and, um, I, you know, I I knew it was coming down to a ref decision, but I, I felt kind of in my head that I did a lot to push the pace and I had a great coach and I just kind of knew like I had a good overall view of the match. Um, so I I really wasn't too worried that it went to ref decision Mm -hmm. in, uh, my case. Uh, but it was, it was a tough match. You know, I think our bodies were probably pretty disproportionate i don't know if you saw <laughs> yes he's like a tall guy like yes. um he, and for some reason he kept like hitting me like the whole match like <laughs> like uh, you know he's, it kind of annoyed me for a little bit <laughs> he's a very uh nice guy uh uh-huh. but i think competition brings out something else in him and you know i mean you guys all get used to it but uh yeah, it's it's kind of silly. Um, I, I always like when I'm like, are we watching a striking match? Is this combat? Yeah. I don't really know. And then sometimes, uh, as shitty as their sound system is, I can hear the slaps off of yeah, yeah. you know the faces or the like real bad clubbing digs, and I'm always like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's like an acceptable <laughs> amount of it, and then there's like an excessive amount where like, all right, man. I was uh, trading with a fighter recently, and I was trying to help him get ready for a fight. He's about a week out, so I'm not going too crazy on him. And uh, all I was doing was trying to put, like, some head position, like, right underneath his chin to make sure he could move the right way, uh, like, up against the wall mats, uh, kind of simulating a cage element. And two seconds in, he's in a nice, flowy stage, but the minute I got my giant head in on his chin, he just gave me Uh this look like, I'm a goddamn MMA fighter, ref. I'm gonna murder you. And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, that, hey, no, I'm your friend. I want you to remember that. I'm helping you." Yeah. Uh, well, when that's happening, though, you mentioned this is your first time doing ADCC rules. Two things: one, how is your training different given ADCC rules, especially if you've never really done it before? And then two. With the amount of time that you've had in waiting, 
how much are you watching other people? Because I would assume that's where you're also getting your hands-on feel of, oh, this is how the refs may be doing points. You know, this is what it looks like live in action. Um, yeah. Is, is that anything close to it? Uh, yeah. So I watched a few matches. Uh, but it's, it's really important that you don't get too sidetracked. You know, you can, you can uh, get too into some of the matches. Where you get distracted and you don't think about yourself and your preparation, um, so I would I would watch a few you know the more exciting matches with like the Rotulo twins or you know Ethan or you know Satava, and uh, so I was just I was watching them more just for just to, for interest, and I wasn't really watching the referees as much. Maybe I could have spent more time um, watching them. Uh, but I think you just got to go out there and experience it. You know, I, I could watch all day, but unless I get out there and like, oh, the referee didn't call points on this move. Okay. Um, I think I just had to go out there and experience it. But my training, um, so I try to prepare for everything, you know, ADCC, uh, you know, IBJJF, whatever I'm doing. So I just make sure I have a good, solid wrestling base. Uh, I do a lot of takedown training and, you know, I try to work my guard and my passing. So I, I just try to stay pretty consistent, and I, I don't really change for the rules too much. Uh, so I, I just try to uh, keep my same game as much as possible and just improve upon my game, not so much the, my way of playing the rules. No, that makes uh, sense. I just I always wonder because with the three and three minutes being as wacky as they are, that yeah. somehow – to me, like you just, most gyms don't play like that. Like, and their preparation is just do as much jujitsu as possible, but yeah. it adds such an element of strategy that is unusual for both points players and submission only guys to go three minutes. Does this matter? Yeah. <laughs> and then if you take it too lightly and it doesn't matter too much, then you got somebody who's on a submission on you. Uh, yeah. You know, if you're too careless. So it is a nice mix between the two. Let's talk about where this goes next. You've got Ryan Quinn, C. Ryan Quinn, in your next one. You're able to get a submission, and you're able to get it in, in a pretty good amount of time. So can you walk yeah. us through how that one went for you? Um, so this was my uh, second official match. Um, and I think the first thing I noticed was, like, you know, this was a, you know, Hinzo guy. He's from Hinzo, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see Gordon Ryan over there in the corner. Um, so I think, I mean, I, you know, I had a good first match, but the second match, I, I knew I kind of wanted to, like, impose my game a little bit more and uh, just be a little bit more aggressive and, you know, actually score or get better positioning. Um, so I believe I was going, like, passing, like, pushing the passes pretty hard. And I knew the guy, I could hear Gordon coaching the guy, you know, they're trying to set up their leg locks or arm drags or whatever. Mm. So for me, I, I just kind of knew, like, all right, this is the time to kind of step up my game. And, and that's something you learn from just uh, just experience. Like, okay, I need to just uh, just have that internalized. That okay, I need to push a little bit harder. I, I can do a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, and I you know just happened to get a good position and went for the submission. And uh, I was just happy. You know, I was <laughs> not much more I could say about it. <laughs> no, that's great. And I mean, it's it's fun when you're able to <clears throat> uproot a little bit of Gordon's uh, fun as well. Uh, <laughs> you know. It's not like, uh, you know, because it's weird to be looking at uh, your opponent and being like, I always say that there's the opponent you have in the mat area and then the opponent that Mm -hmm. might be uh, also their coach. So sometimes it feels like you're like, oh, God, 
who the hell who the hell let Darth Vader over on the sidelines? Yeah. I don't does he step in in case this doesn't go well for him? Like, whoa, Jesus. Uh and that that's actually happened to me before. Like I've fought, you know, guys of Europeans and mm-hmm. like then the next match that guy's coaching coaching against me. <laughs> so uh you get used to it. That's fair. Uh okay, so you've got Gordon, you've got <clears throat> that happens, you're able to beat that. You advance to the semifinals, I believe, at this point. When you're in the semifinals, uh, now I'm pretty sure you're paying attention, right, to every yeah, yeah. single person that you've got in there. And here's the thing. You don't ruin everybody's day with this, but this one kid prodigy in uh-huh. Roberto Jimenez, you know, it's hard to take an opponent like him because you do not want to take them lightly. Mm-hmm. They are young, but yeah. you also see how destructive they can be. Uh, so, how much were you aware of this kid's momentum coming into all of this? I mean, everyone in Jiu-Jitsu knows about Roberto. Um, you know, double gold, purple belt worlds. Like, everyone knows who you are. And uh, he's just a really good kid. I mean, he's a good young man. Um, I mean, I, could, I was watch, keep, keeping my eye on him a little bit throughout the tournament. And uh, even before the tournament, I remember saying hey to him because, uh, we're, you know, we're both from the same team. He trained under Lucas a little bit, and uh, his father got his black belt under my, my instructor, too. So I've kind of, you know, seen him a little bit just uh, growing up, or him growing up, not me. I'm a lot older. Well, yeah, um, no, I get <laughs> I don't think anybody's confusing how you're like, he's practically my brother. We're almost the same yeah. age. Uh, so I've always had some contact with him, but... Um, I, I, I always respect everyone, and especially, you know, up-and-coming up guys. Like, you know, they're hungry, and when you have so much success behind you, like he's had, like, that, that's real momentum, you know, mm-hmm. mentally. You know, he knows he's, like, one of the favorites. He's got flow grappling behind him. Um, so, I mean, I, I kept an eye on him, but, again, my mindset going into the tournament was very relaxed. I knew if I just do it, do my, my game – and, you know, listen to my coach, I knew I was going to be ready for everyone. Uh-huh. Well, when that does happen and you, you do finish, uh, you know, with a strong uh, 4-2 score over the kid, do you whisper to him, you're like, you're going to have like 20 of these, kid. Like, <laughs> chill the F out. No one cares this year. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the that's what I have. I'm thinking about, too. Like, whenever I lose, I mm-hmm. think. Even for the ADCC trials, I was thinking, oh, all right, I'm going to do my best here. But as soon as I go back to Sweden, I got another tournament. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like you can't really cry over a loss. You just got to get over it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. And I've interviewed that young man. I interviewed him right after Worlds where he just went on fire. You know, he was yeah. he was untouchable that day. And he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm 18. And I'm like, boof, okay. And he's like, you know, I'm thinking about going to college, making some botany money. And I'm like, you're going from one sport that doesn't make money to a major that I don't even know if we'll make more money than we do in jiu-jitsu. So it's half and half. And he's just like, he goes, no, 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 no. But I'm coming right back to jiu-jitsu after I get this degree. (laughs) And here I am, father time, looking at him going like, hey, kid, you know, you don't need the degree. We're we're good here. But he's got so much promise and so much talent. And... uh, very, very nice human being as well. So I obviously, uh, you know, you hate to see the team on team, but it's what yeah. happens when you get that close to the end. Now, here's where it gets and, uh, 
Oh, go ahead. And it, later on, later on, like I could, uh, you know, I was very cordial with him. You know, we were hugging each other. And, uh, later on in the finals, he was actually, you know, I could hear him screaming for me. You know, <laughs> that's dope. So, uh, you know, maybe that helped me win. You never know. Well, don't tell him that, because uh, <laughs> then he's gonna be like, "Hey, that's like." You give me three-fifths of your bid now to ADCC. Now we're just yeah. going to tag team it together. Uh, no, and, and again, I, I very much enjoy him. I like that uh, fact of it. And what I think he brings up is, you know, between him, the Rotolo twins, there's this element of very young kids that mm-hmm. you, you really see the, the curb happening faster than maybe yeah. even people are expecting. Because uh, when you have to break one of the Rotolo twins' uh, feet in order to advance, oh. you know, you look at that and you go, that's the only way to stop them. Yeah. And then my brain also goes, he's 15! Oh my god. And then you think, well, if you're the competitor, that's kind of what you got to do. Yeah. So, fortunately, I believe, uh, I hear when you're 15, you just regenerate, you just grow another leg, you just get it off. So. I hope so. I was, I was watching, you know, those matches and be honest i was like man just tap out like because they're so young you don't want to have those uh injuries like starting yeah yeah it's not worth it you know yeah they have such a bright future but that's the kind of thing that will uh you know take away their future yeah i think again uh, from what i saw uh, and what do i know uh i think we're in an element where he probably won't be like that again uh but yeah. I also think to myself, okay, now that he knows that's when he's in danger, watch himself get out of that position. Like, that's going to be the one position he's going to be drilling a thousand times. And so yeah. I was like, well, thanks for showing us the move that worked that one day. Now this kid's all he's going to do is just terrorize everybody <laughs> in pass guard. Let's talk about your finals match. Who was your finals match against? Because it seems to me that Flow Grappling uh, kind of forgot who you were going against. I believe it was, wasn't it Dan Martinez? It was. That's my, that's even my though, guess. Though, you could guess. Uh, even though uh, Flow Grappling, for whatever reason, uh, with Hunter Colvin and Dan Martinez, it says Hunter had two points and Dan Martinez had zero points oh. on the uh, official page here as a reminder. And I'm like, that is, I know I saw Dan. So, no, that's oh, not okay. how that works. Let's talk about your finals. Uh, what do you want to know about the finals? Well, I'd like to know a few things. Number one, what did you feel? Because I, I'm pretty sure at this point, like I said, you're watching other people. What are your thoughts about Dan Martinez as you see him coming in uh, to this finals match? I I didn't get to watch a lot of his matches. I don't, I don't think I caught any any of his matches. Uh, but my coach, uh, he's one of my my good friends, Jeffrey Cummings. He uh, was familiar with his his game. And I uh, pretty much told me he was going to look to elevate from butterfly, yep. and um, you know, like locks and stuff. Uh, so that was pretty much my uh, just knowledge going into the match. And um, that's that's just that's one of my uh, comfortable positions. I, I don't know why. <laughs> just I, I I can I'm okay in butterfly guard, and um, I feel pretty comfortable there. I feel I feel comfortable passing passing that position. I feel comfortable defending that position. Uh, so sometimes, you know, you just get a match where it's more suited to your strengths. And, you know, that's, that's always a good time. Um, when you say that it's suited to your strengths, you're saying that your what he's good at complements what you also happen to be good at. 
Yeah. So my my understanding of the position is uh, was one of my strengths, hmm. and so I I don't feel as threatened as you know some other guys would in a butterfly guard like on top of butterfly guard. Sure. I feel pretty comfortable in my base and just being able to get out of those leg locks once you're elevated. Um, and that, that comes from just a lot of training, a lot of positional sparring. And, um, that's something I, I always try and do my training. I try to prepare myself beforehand for these positions that I'm going to get into. And then mm-hmm. when I get put in, in, into the positions, like I know exactly what to do and there, there's no lag time. It's just like, okay, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to get out. I can start my attack. Um, so it, it just, it just, it was just one of those days where I think I had the right mindset, the right coaching, the right opponent. Um, and, you know, those days are rare. <laughs> I've had the opposite a lot of days. Yeah. What did the win mean to you? Uh, for me, it was, it was a lot of different things. Uh, I did an interview with Flow Grappling. Where they talked about just like as far as achievements. I think this was probably my biggest achievement. It's definitely my biggest achievement, Nogi. Um, for me, I grew up as a white belt, even before I actually started training jujitsu, I would watch like uh, YouTube and of course they had like the ADCC up and just watching guys like Marcelo and, you know, Hodger and Jacare, like they had all these great, great highlights from ADCC. And, uh, I, I never thought it was something I was ever going to do. Um, but I, I always wanted to do it. So it was, it was almost like a dream coming true, like to be able to, you know, I'm going to be out there on the same stage that those guys competed on. So, man, it's amazing. You know, it, it meant a lot to me to, to just have the skill to, to go to this tournament. Like I earned my way to this tournament. So I'm, I was really happy. I'm still happy. That's awesome, dude. How do you, how does a person like you celebrate uh, a momentous moment like this? Do you gorge on food? Are you too exhausted? Is sleep your reward? <laughs> like, what, what do you do? Uh, for me, like, all, all I wanted to do was go home and ice. That's all we could do. As uh, me and my friend, uh, my coach was also competing. We, we got pretty messed up, so we just went home and iced. And uh, that was it. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't really celebrate. Um, That's uh, uh, that, You guys got to calm down with your, your celebrations. <laughs> You know, like you're a little bit older. I'm almost, I'm 29, almost 30. So like, I, it's like, I just, I just need to rest. <laughs> I need to, I need to rest as much as possible. That's um, fair. Here's what is interesting to me. You mentioned a little bit about this journey that you were watching people years ago and you never thought you would be on the same stage. So I'm inclined to ask, where does that jiu-jitsu journey begin for you? Where do you, where do you start doing jiu-jitsu? Where does that that white belt looking at these, you know, mythical f- creatures, <laughs> basically beasting at a major competition. Where does that begin for you? Um, so I, I started training back in Atlanta, Georgia, with uh, the Alliance headquarters, and uh, this uh, this was like one of the top teams coming up in like the mid two thousands. We had really good guys. You probably won't even know their names, like Ian McPherson. Chris Moriarty, uh, Chase Wheaton. These were like some of the best American competitors coming up. And uh, just being at such a high-level school, I, I just got lucky. I just lived close to this school. And, I, you know, I remember, like, researching, like, best jiu-jitsu schools in Atlanta. And this was the top one. 
Um, so so I, I just got, it was pure luck that I just happened to be in this city and I was, I was, you know, able to train with these great instructors. Again, my, my, the academy was able to host like Cabrinha for a few years. And then from Cabrinha, Cabrinha, they went to Lucas for another few years. So we, we always had like, we pretty much had the, the best of the best resources and just training partners. Um, so I, my my journey, it, it's not like I did all the work by myself. I had great instructors, great training partners, and it was pretty hard to not be awesome coming from that atmosphere. Mm. So I would relate it to like training at Autos now. You know, like you you have like all these resources where that if you you train hard, like you're going to be good. You're going to compete well because you're fighting all the top guys. So I, I kind of had that kind of upbringing. Um, so I, you know, it's not for me. It's not like I came out of nowhere. It's like man, I had like <laughs> I was training with the best guys. So uh, I really, it really helped um, to prepare me. When does competition become something that intrigues you? I know a lot of times different schools they encourage it. If you're at Alliance, uh, you're definitely around people who know how to compete. So yeah, when does that happen for you? Uh, so my first tournament was maybe like two or three months start after I started jiu-jitsu. So the coach was like, hey, you're competing? And I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for Alliance, Alliance has been around for a long time. So it, the, the focus of the school has changed. Uh, but at that time, it was very, like, competition-oriented. You know, the school ended up winning, like, 11 world championships or something. Uh, so we always, they always kind of pushed you to compete and, uh, but I never thought of it like as a burden or anything. I just, it was just something we did, you know, all right, we're competing. We've got to go, you know, if all your friends are competing, like you don't want to not compete. You want to go support them and go do it too. So, uh, we always had like just the push to go compete, um, pretty much from day one. That's pretty cool. Now here's a question that I, I think is pivotal for relating jiu-jitsu practitioners who may come from different backgrounds or different experiences. But it's one that I like to ask, which is, when did you know that you fell in love with jiu-jitsu? Um, I think I knew pretty early on, probably the first class I knew. Because uh, I actually started, uh, my martial arts training started with Taekwondo. And um, I remember I I went and tried a jiu-jitsu class, and man, I, it was like fight club to me. It was just like, <laughs> this like dirty grimy place and like man it was like all these tough guys and i i remember just doing the class and i remember that i remember all the techniques i learned that day too and i, I just knew i was something i was going to do uh for the rest of my life so i man day one i was ready to ready to train and ready to you know just learn well, day one already ready to risk it all you're just like nah, yeah dude i'm in i'm in for this because it is important to know when that does happen because especially for people who are those individuals who move to a different country to yeah. follow their jiu-jitsu dreams, who make jiu-jitsu their full-time occupation. you know. And, and one of the things that I think now that's really interesting about your narrative is you're now giving back. Like I see you putting up technique videos all of the time. And I'm doing my best to try and lift everything I see you're doing on those technique <laughs> videos. But now you're at a different part of your jiu-jitsu journey. So I think it's always important for people to kind of get 
the beginnings of it because he didn't just show up in ADCC trials. No. You know, there's all those years. So somebody who might not be familiar with you just looks over and goes, where did this guy come from? Is he Swedish? Oh, I didn't know how this works. (laughs) So when that does happen, you know, what were some of the experiences like when you fully committed to making this your full-time thing? And and did you have a moment when you knew like, oh yeah, okay, it's, it's time to commit to this for like life? Um, I did. I luckily just, just my, the people out that I was around, like, uh, you know, like education was always a big, uh, just priority. I, I mentioned like a guy named Chris Moriarty. I don't know if you know him, but he was, he was like at the time, one of the best American competitors. Um, he won like grapplers quest. He would, he would win everything. And, um, we, it was kind of cool, but we were all in school, like we were all in high school and college during this time period, just training. Um, so I, I always went to school. I went to college and graduated. And um, I think for me, like I, I kind of knew that I didn't want to, you know, go the educational route. I didn't want to go into like a nine to five. I knew that I, I loved doing jujitsu. And I, I had also been teaching uh, since I was in high school. I've been helping with the kids class. Mm. So um, I just I just knew that. Uh, also, one thing I, you know, I was teaching classes, but I also I knew how to like sign people up. I also knew how to like kind of run the front desk. So uh, I I just had like a good foundation in like what it mm. took to live off of jujitsu. I didn't just go like I'm gonna I want to do jujitsu. Yeah. Like I I kind of already knew. Okay. Oh, I need to do private lessons. I need to teach. I need to get sponsors. So I kind of had a good idea beforehand what it would take and um i mean i had i had some roadblocks there was times where i kind of i there was a period of like a year and a half where i didn't really compete that much um and also i left team alliance at at a certain point and went through some other stuff um but uh eventually you know if jujitsu is in your heart you're always going to come back to it and that's kind of what happened to me like i it just like everything kept pushing me towards doing jujitsu and then i kind of had to give into it um, I, I can't tell you just one thing that happened where I was like, okay, I'm going to do jujitsu. It's just like everything in my life kept pushing me towards jujitsu. So I, I really didn't have a choice, you know? What did it feel like when you came back? A lot of people ask, uh, different things when they take a break. Some people come back and it's harder. Some people come back and go, oh, right. I should have never gone away. Um, what was that experience like? So I actually had two comebacks. Um, so there was a point, I think, in 2011 where I left Alliance, and I was actually training with TLI, Team Lloyd Irvin. And then I, after about a year, I think I went back to Alliance. And then I, I tried to like, I tried to like get myself back into the same groove, and you know, try to do all these tournaments. But I, I just, I, I had to take a break and just like kind of figure out who I was and what I really wanted to do. And so I spent like another year kind of kind of doing other things. And then I eventually I ended up coming back to jujitsu. And um, I can't remember what we were talking about. I just forgot. <laughs> it's okay. It's what I'm yeah. here uh, for. The, com- the comeback. The comeback. The comeback. Yes, please. Um, so, again, I, I just mentioned that life kept pushing me towards doing jujitsu. And uh, it wasn't until I experienced other things that I was like, okay, maybe I should give jujitsu uh, another try. Because it's, it's something I, you know, I always loved, even when I, you know, felt that it was hard to train or I didn't want to go and train. 
it's something I I always knew it was something important in my life, and uh, uh, you know something's important and it and it gives purpose to your life. You, you can't ignore that. You gotta you gotta you gotta go for it. You gotta give it a try again. And uh, so my comeback it wasn't very clean. It was like it was like a lot. Of, it was like fighting. It's like fighting in a tournament. You know, sometimes you lose. You gotta come back and try again. And you might lose, you know, 90% of the time, but it's like that one win. That's all it takes. You know, that one win. What do you attribute to helping you get back on track? Uh, getting back on track, um, I think I, I had good friends, you know, good friends that always supported me, good friends that always, you know, uh, when I didn't want to train, you know, I had friends that would be like, hey, man, let's just drill a little bit and just – uh, I always had good friends that you know uh, that would help make that comeback easier. It was never like I didn't know anybody. Um, you know, I had to start from square one. I always had friends that were training during my kind of layoff time, mm -hmm. and so just to spend more time with them, it was like I had to go and train, or they would always talk about training. So, um, I mean, I just had good friends that they knew they kind of believed them that I would come back, so that helped me a lot. That makes sense. So if people are looking to, and I mentioned that you're doing technique videos, there's like a million people who do technique videos at this point. Yeah. Like uh, some of them are very good. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them I look at and I just go, that's nice. And then some I'm like, well, no, those aren't good. But what is it that you do in, in particular if somebody's not familiar with and you say that you're good at selling, so I need you to kind of tell the people right now, if they've never seen one of your technique videos or visited your social media kind of a thing, what is it that you offer when you're doing your instruction or your teaching that's maybe just slightly ajar from somebody else's? Um, my big focus with my techniques, I'm not sure if it sets me apart, but it's something I like to focus on, is that all the moves I show are moves that are tested in competition. So it's not like some flashy move. It's not like, it's not, it won't always be a move that's gonna, you know, get a million views, but it's gonna be a move that I've tried and tested. I can get, or, or a move I can get video footage of being tried and tested in a tournament. So I always try to relate, relate that back to my techniques as much as possible. Um, because I, I just wanna show moves that work at the end of the day. So that's what people are gonna get when they get watch my stuff, my videos. It's <laughs> a good good tagline. Stuff that works. Um, yeah. So when you're now starting to move your attention, uh, I know we've got a few things coming up for you. Uh, but before I ask what those things are, what do you consider, and when do you start really kicking into high gear for ADCC and that prep? Because that clock resets all over again. Yeah. Um, so I've already started like kind of getting my ducks in a row. So I'm already kind of planning at least a few months, maybe like two months before the tournament where I want to go, who I want to work with. Um, so I knew immediately who I wanted to work with. Um, it's a guy I met in Atlanta. Maybe you guys have heard of him. He he works with uh, Jailhouse Strong. It's a like fitness uh, oriented uh, like social media. Uh, my friend Adam, so he's out of Paragon mm -hmm. in uh, Santa Barbara. So I knew immediately once I, you know, once I got back to Sweden that I had to contact him because he, for me, he was 
someone that kind of made me respect wrestling and kind of because before I used to be like I used to play a lot of guard and um, until I met him I I didn't really delve deep into wrestling like I I have now and so I know I know I need to go work with him Um, so I've already started preparing like who I'm going to work with where I'm going to go how I'm going to afford all this like I'm already like now's the time um, to start preparing um, and then I, you know, I have my great training partners here in Sweden. So we're already kind of gearing our training to like what techniques we need to work on. So from ADCC, I'm already kind of, you know, I took back what I saw and what I learned and we're, we're already kind of working on those techniques now. So, uh, I mean, prep started right after the tournament. That's when it started. Were your friends over, and this is only occurring to me now because I had to adjust time in my head to make this interview happen. Mm-hmm. But were your friends back in Sweden and your students over there, this tournament must have been going on at wacky hours for them to watch. Yeah. So were they giving you a hard time and saying like, you know, what, I'm just going to check the website tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not watching live. Or were they up and, and late watching the ADCC trials mm-hmm. from uh, all the way back in Sweden? Yeah, they were watching uh, here in Sweden. You know, they had the Viking blood, so man, they love to fight here, man. So uh, even while I was, you know, during my matches, I, we have a group chat on on Messenger. Mm-hmm. So I was checking the group chat, and you know, everyone's kind of posting and like, you know, giving their support. <laughs> and it was super late at night, but you know, they man, they love it. So that really helped me. You know, just kept me motivated. You know, just having my students and training partners here watching me. See, you and I are two different people. I see a group chat, and that allows me the ability to know who isn't watching me. And yeah. uh, I make note of that when I come back over, uh, back to Sweden. I'd be like, oh, a little too late for you? A little, little too late for you to, to support your coach? That's cool. I'm mm-hmm. just going to remember that when I uh, ACL tower the shit out of your knee. But that's okay. No, no, you're one of my best training partners. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, no, my student, my students here are very supportive. Like I couldn't do it without them. Like, I mean, they spend the most time with me training and pushing me. So, I actually had a few students. They went to ADCC European, the European trial. Mm-hmm. So, just having their feedback helped me prepare too. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's a great experience, man. And <clears throat> you're now speaking of uh, competing out that way. What's next on the docket for you? I believe is Europeans now. I've seen more and more individuals. I know even a host of people who fly out from the States to go compete at Europeans just because they want that extra edge going into the new year. Uh, That's what's coming up next for you. Uh, Does it feel nice to be going to Europeans? And more importantly, isn't this in a gi? Uh, Yeah. So so for me, I, I, I always do gi and no gi. Always. Um, this is the way I've been brought up. And, um, I mean, you can do twice as many tournaments if you, if you do gi and no gi. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's funny because when you know an MMA fighter, they're like, I don't want to touch a gi, you know, unless you're mm-hmm. like Rafael Lovato Jr. And then yeah. he's like, I can't breathe without this thing. So mm-hmm. there's a certain type of person who responds to it. But the, the method behind the MMA fighter is, you know, that's not my primary focus. My primary focus is being able to replicate something in Nogi in yeah. my ultimate goal. So with ADCC mm-hmm. coming up, you know, 
taking off these nice little these like uh, little side journeys over to Europeans to go. Listen, I'm gonna put on this gi. <laughs> but there's this thing. It's kind of like our Olympics. I'm going to that. Uh, yeah. Do you get the option though if you get to a finals just to go to somebody and be like, hey, you want to you want to roll this one uh, no gi? <laughs> I mean, we're in the finals. Why not, dude? Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love doing both. For me, it's it's all jujitsu. So, I think you know, Nogi has his you know his leg locks and different entrances to different moves and wrestling, and in the gi, you have all this crazy lapel stuff, and it's it's for me, it's just fun. Like I love doing it, doing it, and the, the more interesting it is, the more you know, the more that makes me want to come and like solve problems and understand different positions. So. Listen, you're speaking to my heart. I'm a guy who yeah. I don't care what you, if you're training gear, no, I really don't care. And I, I hate the people who, when they come in, they're like, oh, you won't roll no gi. And it's like, of course yeah. I will. I won't, like, it's not like some sort of weird magical power you lose. You know, it's just, <laughs> you just train your brain a little differently and they help each other if you know how to do that. I will ask, though, do you have a preference between the two? Uh, I like both. Like, okay. I, I can't All right. Choose. Then let me let me go ahead and ask you this one then as a follow up. Which are you better at? Uh, well, I've got an ADCC trial, <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind that's kind of that's kind of hard because you know I train a lot of gi. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know I'll I you know whatever I'm good at. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people I go here's my breakdown. In my head, I'm mm-hmm. better at no gi. In execution. I get maybe five minutes into rolling with somebody in Noki and I go, Oh my God, I'm so wrong. <laughs> no, I'm so wrong. Like I need, where's, yeah. where's all this again? Oh, thank God I have this again. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes there's, there's a little discrepancy, but I, I think you are right in saying you have earned the ability to say that at this point, <laughs> this juncture in time, maybe your Nogi is eclipsed your gi just by, by a hair. Uh, yeah, but uh, who's to say? They, they aren't <laughs> going to ask you that question, to my knowledge, when you go to ADC. I'm a Nogi guy now. That's what they're well, going to say. They will say that. It's like at my gym. <laughs> I, I know a couple footlocks, and they don't really mess with that a ton. They're like, "Hey, Raf's the footlock guy," and I'm like, "Let's not say yeah. that out loud." I don't. I don't think yeah. I can vouch for that at all. I'm just the guy who's helping you guys out. I don't. Don't talk. Don't yeah. call me that. Uh, so let's ask this. Okay, so. All of these things are coming up. Everything's going really spectacular. you got European championships. I'm thinking right now, if you're probably getting ready for ADCC and you're probably looking to put some money in the bank and help things come forward, you're probably going to start doing some seminars, probably doing a whole bunch of privates. Um, yeah. You know, where can people reach out to you if they're looking to do seminars or privates? Uh, the best way, I mean, you can always, they can always hit me up on my social media, my Instagram, my Facebook. I also have a website, alecbalding.com, and uh, my other website, shortguyguard.com. Uh, <laughs> Where did you come uh, so up with that name? A short guy guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I never, I didn't come up with it myself. It's just over the years, you know, I would go to these tournaments, and people would just automatically assume I was a wrestler, and then I would pull guard. And so they're like, oh, my God, this short guy's pulling guard. So it just kind of evolved from there. Hey, you know what? Somebody's got to do it because sometimes <clears throat> some of us aren't able to wrap our legs around and get full guard. So a short yeah. guy guard is uh, the most necessary tool you can have <laughs> if, uh, you know, you're somebody who's a little stockier, you know? Yeah. And uh, my goal with that is just to show short people that they can play guard, you know? 
So I mean, think, I don't know they... that I believe you, but I've seen your technique videos and you explain them well. <laughs> the science is still out there for me. There's still a couple guys. You know, I've been trying to make a whole thing this month to be a way more uh, aggressive guard player. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is not going well so far. It is. I mean, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. No, I mean, I get it. I tried it for a week, so I'm giving up. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, I mean, obviously it's something that you, you want to play around with. And, and, mm-hmm. and to my knowledge, I always think like this. Everything goes in waves. So even the stuff that you're putting in the time for now that's not paying off, in like a year and a half when it just comes out of nowhere and you're like, mm-hmm. guys, I got really good at guard. Did you? <laughs> that was weird. It felt like it just happened. It's like no no genie showed up. You just mm-hmm. it makes more sense to you at this juncture. So yeah. uh, but that's that's dope. I, I like that you're you're looking out for those of us who you know <laughs> when I look at the weight categories and I look to see where I would fall in if I was competing, I'm always like, No. Yeah. No, these guys are too lanky and I'm 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 a I mean, five that's, nine that's... dog. That's every match for me. It's like, man, this guy is tall. Like, I had to, like, use everything I got. And then you see some of these monsters that are just, like, jacked specimen. And you're like, how did you make this weight? How are your (laughs) weight categories different than mine? Like, you put me next to Steven Martinez, and he's like, yeah, I'm 185 right now. And I'm like, how? How are you my weight? Where does all of that go? Oh, so me and him are the same weight. But yeah. he's probably like a foot taller or something. I have no idea how tall he was. He's, he's like, you know, it's it's uh it's always a, a good reminder of I like to go up to him and I go, Plus you like to drink beer all the time and he's like, Yeah. Oh um, yeah. The genes were not given out equally, my friend. <laughs> uh, but anyway, as you were saying. I don't remember what I was saying. Uh, just a, a short guy guard. That's the best way to find me, I think. And are you open to doing seminars kind of all around? Like, how is that working? Because I don't know if you you just hub and make Sweden uh, central to your training until you have to start branching out and maybe coming out to California. But, uh, you know, it's a long journey. It's going to be about a good, what, nine months until the actual big dance. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like to me that that's plenty of time to go around and do uh, some traveling seminars. Yeah, so right now I think in the spring of 2019 I'm going to hit like Atlanta, the southeast. Awesome. And then maybe, you know, maybe like June or August I will be in uh, California. So uh, I just try to like pick an area and kind of like hit as many spots within that area within a few weeks. Well, beautiful. When you're coming out to California, definitely let us know. We'll be happy to put up all the help that we can to tell people there because uh, in that time – I'll have some more opportunities to test out short guide, uh, short guy guard, and cool. uh, you know, by then I'll definitely be able to tell you like, hey, listen, the dream's not happening for F. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a rough journey, but uh, at least I'll be able to ask you some questions there. Uh, before mm-hmm. we get you on out of here, can we take any of any uh, sp- sponsors and whatnot? Uh, I'd like to thank Inverted Gear. They sponsored me for the, the ADCC trials. Um, Nelson and Hillary, very awesome. Awesome people. Very awesome people, an awesome company. Uh, here in Sweden, Eklundsbill is a car company that for every tournament we go to, they always give us cars to, you know, just go to the tournaments. And uh, just Wait, my what? family and my friends. Huh? Wait, what? We get cars, like rental, like not rental cars, but like loaner cars to right, go right, to the right. tournaments. It's kind of like that leave a bike, take a bike sort of system. 
No, no, it's a car company that sponsors our gym, and they'll so they'll let us borrow a car for like to travel to tournaments. Because we're in I, Europe, you know, most no, people get, don't have a car. I get that. I get that. It's just you're you're doing it smart. Most of these <laughs> idiots are hitting me up, being like, "Raf, can we get an Uber? Can we? Oh no! Can you can you come with us? Like, no, you're branding <laughs> this properly. And next time yeah, somebody yeah. asks for a ride." Uh, to their tournament or tries to hitch a ride with me and, and granted I'm one of those people too but next time mm-hmm. somebody tries to hitch a ride with me I'm going to be like you need to get yourself a car sponsorship I mean if you hustle anything's possible guys look <laughs> I'm in Sweden how do you think I got to Sweden I had to hustle <laughs> uh, did I interrupt on any of the other sponsors remaining sir I think that's it I can't think of anything else any sponsors outside of those that's good stuff. You know, dude, I really always love getting the opportunity to ask people about their journeys. But more importantly, it's so important to me that the athletes uh, get proper acknowledgement for the achievements that they really, really work hard for. And mm-hmm. ADCC trials, especially this year, in my opinion, over on the East Coast, they look like no joke. You you really had to work to get through there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I can't be out there to cover the event live, I always try to circle back to the athletes and give them an opportunity to tell their story. And I, I'm so happy that I got to hear uh, so much of what makes your jiu-jitsu and your style so unique, my man. Uh, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to share my story. And, uh, you know, I always think that it's not it's not just my story. You know, you don't see or hear the people that supported me all these years. So I had to thank all my friends and my family. Couldn't do without him. That's really cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we look forward to seeing him compete over in uh, Long Beach, exotic Long Beach, California. Uh, <laughs> but we're happy to bring him back home for a few, uh, a few, few fleeting moments. And we look forward to a seminar tour uh, coming next year to Atlanta and to California potentially, as well as his competition over at European Championships at the beginning of the year. Alec, I can't thank you enough. Look for this man's technique videos. If you are wondering where I'm getting some of my fun stuff that I'm stealing from him, <laughs> but like the real janky version, that's where it's coming from right now. So uh, can't thank you enough for stopping on in, sir. Thank you. Thank you.